This is the heart of your God. Longing to love, longing to forgive, longing to release from our debt. Man, we have a king who is ready to say, I forgive you. Man, well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be celebrating with you, whether you're joining with us online or here in person. Man, we are here to make much of Jesus Christ. We're in a series called Hope Revealed. Hope Revealed. We launched it last week, Easter Sunday, as we went after it in a huge way. And man, Hope Revealed, this series is going to be just this month here, basically, and we're going to be walking through some thunderous statements of Jesus Christ thunderous statements of Jesus. We started last week where he was saying, see my hands, see my feet, touch me, see that I am alive, I am risen, right? This power statement of life in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to continue with a few more power statements of Christ, one each week, all kind of right around the time of his crucifixion and resurrection so that we can grasp a little more of all of the hope that we have in Christ. Just imagine what it was like for them as they saw all of these different quotes unfolding right in front of their eyes as Jesus Christ brought hope. So as we dive into the passage today, uh, you're going to need to have a little context. We are going to be backing it up just a pinch. So last week we were celebrating, yes, Jesus died on the cross, yes, but he rose from the dead. He is alive. Everybody say he is alive. He is alive. Praise God for that. And this quote we're going to be looking at, we're actually going to back it up just a little bit. It was right as he was going to the crucifixion and walking through that journey there and catching a word that he has to say, a phrase that he has to say there. And uh, so you got to imagine these are the people that he's with now. These people, if you look back to Palm Sunday, right? It was a little bit Christ went to the cross. It was that week before it, right? Christ is coming down the Mount of Olives on a donkey. And just so we're super clear, that was actually prophesied as being an example and an illustration of that one being the Messiah. He will be coming in to Jerusalem riding on a donkey. It basically means representing peace. And he's going to be in charge and he's going to have this dominance that is actually at a very obvious level. And so as Christ is coming in on the donkey, they're like, this is it. Here we go. They're crying out, Hosanna. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're praising him. They're celebrating him as he comes down the Mount of Olives, past the Garden of Gethsemane, through the Kidron Valley and up the other side into Jerusalem. And four days later, they were like, crucify him. Just get rid of him. That's fine. We're good with it. Crucify him. And he was beaten and he was mocked and he was dragged to his crucifixion. In fact, Pontius Pilate had a chance to stop the whole thing, and instead he did the washing of his hands and stepped back like, hey, this is on you guys. And Christ being let to walk to the crucifixion and him going willingly. Everybody say willingly. And that's where we pick it up. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Luke 23, starting in verse 32, point number one, thank the king who in his love and mercy longs to forgive. Thank the king who in his love and mercy longs to forgive. It starts out, it says, two others who were criminals 
were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. We'll just hold right there. It says two others who were criminals. You really have to emphasize the word were, right? Because everybody being crucified is presumed to be. They're accused of being criminals. But these two were criminals. Jesus is being crucified, not a criminal. In fact, completely wrong treatment of him, but he is willingly going to the cross. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves me. He was willing to die for us. And so he was not a criminal. Everybody say not. And the two others were. Everybody say were. Like that's the emphasis here that two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. Like they were going to be dragged to this same crucifixion. The crucifixion, which is absolutely gruesome. I mean, to have nails that are pounded in just short of the hand, kind of right at the edge of the hand and the wrist, a place that could hold some weight, like nailed in right there, nailed into the feet, nailed in. Can you imagine being the guy who hits the nail with the hammer, pressing that down into a human being? Like the brutality of it. And the agony of the pain of what they were going to go through as the nails went through the hands, through the feet, there was actually a little ledge, kind of about like the shape and size of my Bible, that was actually nailed onto the cross as well so that they could take their feet and push up on it just to catch a breath, hanging in agony and gasping for breath. And the three of them were going to be crucified, two of them criminals who rightly were convicted and punishing was being in this cross and one Christ who didn't deserve it at all. The three of them were going to the cross. It said, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, what a weird name for a place, right? And I was actually, most believe it's named that because it was kind of the shale rock kind of thing that was uh, the mound, and actually the pieces of it would fall out. And so some of the pieces that fell out looked a little bit like an eye and an eye and maybe a nose and maybe a little bit of a mouth. Some of it that fell out, so it looked a little bit like a skull. If you stepped back from it, you could kind of see that maybe or presume that in it, and that's why they called it the skull, this place where they ended up putting the crosses on the top of that mound or that hill there, and it was called a skull, this hill where the infidels were going to be uh, crucified. And uh, it says there they crucified him. There they ended up putting the nails into Jesus. And as the first nail began to be hit, know this man, not one hit did Jesus deserve. Every one of the things he took was for my sin and for your sin and for us to have hope Him being the Lamb of God, willingly there for us. And they literally put the nails through his wrists and the nails through his feet as he now hung there on the cross for you and for me. His body broken, his blood poured out, 
him being the lamb of God. There they crucified him. It says, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. I love how God is beginning to build a story where we're going to have comparison and contrast available. One on the right and one on the left and criminals on either side of Jesus. It says, and Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This is the heart of your God. Longing to love, longing to forgive, longing to release from our debt. Man, we have a king who is ready to say, I forgive you. And all of God's people said, and don't miss this privilege that we have a God who loves us so much that forgive you is his plan. He longs for it. And too many people try to take advantage of it. Hey, God wants to forgive, then let him forgive. Like everybody say, that's a terrible plan. May we long for him to forgive because of our humility. Lord, please forgive me. I am so wrong. May we bring our sin, throwing it down and be done with it. That's when forgiveness is to be claimed and celebrated along the way. God doing an amazing work for us as we thank him and praise him for being the one who died for us, our sacrificial lamb. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. These people were truly clueless. They had no idea that this one was completely innocent and he was carrying the weight of the sin of the world. It wasn't his sin he was dying for. It was yours and mine, hope in Jesus Christ. And then Luke decides to give just a little bit of background shot, just so we can kind of catch what's going on. This would have been like in the movie where the camera starts to pan back. And you can see just a little bit broader of what's going on. It says, and they cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. Let's just slow it down. It says, they cast lots to divide his garments. So we have some of the soldiers and they're actually gambling. They're like, maybe I can make a little profit off of this. That's where they're at. I, I don't know if I care anything about what he has to say. And I certainly don't care about, am I guilty or not? Maybe I can make a little money on it. Maybe I'll gamble, maybe I can get this, maybe I can sell it somewhere else to someone else and profit and benefit from it. And, and it says, and the people stood by watching. These are the same people that cried out, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're standing looking at the skull, cross, all the combination, and they're like this. I don't know, can you believe that? I mean, I really thought this guy had something. I don't I mean, clearly he's guilty. Look, I don't know. You know that time where you feel like you should go? Maybe you feel like you should turn away, but then you also feel like you can't? That's these people. They're standing at a distance. They're not engaged. They're not going after stopping it in any way. There's nobody running up going, no, wait. They're just like, hmm. I mean, if you don't see them with their arms crossed, you're probably missing a lot of the attitude. This had to be one of those, mm, mm, mm. The guy was definitely messed up somewhere. I'm just not sure where. That kind of distant judgment as they're looking and watching and really kind of confused along the way. It says, but the rulers scoffed at him. So there's these guys, 
I don't know. And then there's these guys. Shame on you. What's the matter with you? The rulers crying out and saying things to Jesus. Their statement, he saved others. Let him save himself. You got to hear the sarcasm in this. He saved others. If they really believed that, they'd be on with it. They begin to be following him and saying, he's saving. I've got to hear this, right? He's like, you claim to be saving others. Don't you save yourself? If you're doing such miracle work, here's the sad part. They have heard of the rumors of people standing up who could not stand, seeing who could not see, talking who could not talk. There are people who are healed. There are demons removed. There are people who were dead, now risen. And they're scoffing. You saved others. Why don't you give it a shot for you, man? Why don't you try that? Just deriding down on Jesus in the midst. And uh, sad. As they declare this, he saved others, let him save himself. They have a massive miss in what they're thinking. I was just pondering it this week and praying through some of this this week. And uh, I just wrote these words down. Uh, when we're considering Jesus on the cross, ready? Not acting does not mean not capable. Not acting does not mean not capable. A complete miss on their part. They're like, why don't you take yourself down? In other words, why don't you save yourself? Right? And here's his answer. Because I am saving the world. Because I am saving everyone and every sin who will come to me. I am managing all of the sin problem. You don't see it. Hang on. Man, Jesus, it wasn't a lack of capability in saving himself. It was love. It was sacrifice. It was him saying for you, I've got this. And it's not about not capable I just wrote, he chose to stay on the cross for me and for you. Praise be to God. Man, just his staying on that cross gives us hope. He takes for real our sin and he is managing it in himself. And all of God's people said, it says, if he is the Christ, the chosen one, right? If he is, if that's who he's claiming, by the way, just a little note here. So they did know what the claim was right? If he is the Christ, if he is the Messiah, if he's the one chosen of God to be doing all this miracle work, then start now. Wouldn't it be more appropriate when you meet the one who is the chosen one to ask him what he thinks should be done next? Like, what do you think should be done, Messiah? And instead it's, I know what should be done and I'm telling you, my judgment of you Messiah is that you need to understand you should have been king ruling over all and no one could take your life. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Can you hear how many people actually got the message? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, if you are the chosen one, if you are the king of the Jews, man, he is all these things. Jesus Christ, he is king of kings. He is king of the Jews. 
He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. And he is on that cross for one reason. He loves you. He loves you with all he's got. And he's pouring it out. This is our God. Everybody just say, this is our God. And this is who we worship. And this is why we worship. The soldiers mocked him. They cried out, man, if you really are king of the Jews, go ahead and save yourself. Why do they keep thinking that the best leader is always most about themselves? And just so we're clear on this, best leader will always care for the broader group he is responsible for first and foremost. Absolutely essential. You lay it on the line for all around you. You are the leader, then you are the caretaker in Jesus Christ. 100% best leader ever. He's like, it's not about me right now. I'm fixing a bigger problem. Hang on. It says there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. And uh, it was meant to be sarcasm. But it is so true. Everybody just say, so true. This is the moment where while some would have been standing with their arms crossed in judgment, seeing all the mockery and all the leadership coming down on, the proper response would be, this is the king of the Jews. This is the Messiah. This is my hope. This is my God. He loves us and he died for us and he offers forgiveness as we come to him. And as we lay our sin down and believe in him with all we've got, God does an amazing work. And uh, Man, last week was just a thunderous celebration at Easter and just a massive time of lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Powerful time all day long as we went after huge worship and just a celebration that he is alive. He is risen. There is hope in him. We did a call out to come to the one who is king. And man, we had people getting saved all day long. In the end, we ended up with, I think the number was like 57 who came to trust Christ all week long. Amen. Praise God. Huge deal, man. Amen. We had like 33 adults in the services. We had 10 kids. We had like 12 junior hires in the week. We had high schoolers the week before. Just massive numbers in our Easter services in that week coming to Jesus Christ. 43 on this day last week that lifted up the name of Jesus for the first time. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, I'm just telling you, man. So many, when they come to Christ, they're really wrestling with it. And it's a hard moment of decision. And uh, there was one person who, uh, very sweet, and you could see him wrestling, and they just weren't sure, and they didn't know if they wanted to go with, and, and they're going back and forth, and you'll hear me several times like, you, you don't want to miss out. If this is a moment, just put the stake in the ground. And they were like, um, uh, uh, all right. And you could see this massive decision and the arm going up hard. And as I said, I see your hand, right? They were like, Yes! Like this massive celebration of coming to Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, God was moving in the room in a huge way. And so many come to trust Christ. He is our Savior. And all of God's people said, as our hope, man. He brings forgiveness. And he brings coverage of our sin. May we love him. And may we stand by him. And may we thank him with all we've got. Simple question. So how are you doing at praising Jesus?
as your God. Thanking him for all that he's done for you. How are you doing at putting your life in his hands and making sure he gets all the glory? May we not be the one who's trying to make money off of him. May we not be the one who's stepping back in judgment, crossing our arms. May we not be the one who stands and mocks and accuses Jesus. May we stand by him and praise him and thank him with all we have. May each of our days be built with thanksgiving for him, right? Point number two, believe. Believe he is risen and confess him as Lord so that you too can be with him in heaven. Believe he is risen and confess him as Lord so that you too can be with him in heaven. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. One of the criminals, so this one who was hanged, he's guilty of a crime. It says he railed at him in the ESV. There's a number of different rules. He, he attacked him, he accused him. In fact, the original language word there is the word blasphemy. So he's actually slandering him. He's saying things about him that are not true. He's beginning to attack Jesus with his last breaths. I'm not sure. I just got to tell you, I'm dumbfounded that when you're hanging with nails through your wrists and feet, as you're hanging there and you have to push off just to catch a breath, that you think the best spend of your words is attacking the guy next to you hanging there. Like that's the best spend of your last breaths. As this guy is like reaching up with all he's got and he's like, what's the matter with you? Like that's where he's going with this. Like that's a lot of hatred in the soul. It's beginning to rail and blaspheme and slander and attack Jesus as he's saying things that were untrue about Jesus in a massive way. In fact, he says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So again, you hear the accusation. Are you not the Christ? This is not a moment where he has just confessed his belief in him. I believe you are the Christ and I'm in. Like that, everybody say, not that. He's like, you claimed it, now live it. He's attacking him. Like, come on, man, what are you doing? And, and quite frankly, it's completely self-serving. The pain and the agony, the barely a last breath, and what he's really saying is, get me off this cross. And by the way, you can get yourself off too. Like, Please do something. Save yourself and us. And uh, again, Two big misses in his statement. First big miss. The Christ, the Messiah, is not self-serving. Jesus Christ loves and serves others. He is not about himself and his own comforts, first and foremost. Everybody say, not his comfort. So um, let me just say this then. Just a little tender statement. Uh, let's be careful, American Christians, that we don't make comfort our major thing. Jesus Christ living for us, dying for us, suffering for us, may we live for him with all we've got. Comfort is not where it's at. Worship, praise, glory to Jesus Christ. May he be lifted up. Ready? And all of God's people said. Yeah, I know, a little bit harder to say that one. But yes, we're in. We've got to be in with this man. 
down with trying to make life just easy and comfortable. That's what the jeering guy from the side is saying. Make my life more comfortable even though I'm completely wrong. In Jesus' statement, I am in complete discomfort to pay for sin. I'm offering this up in love. He says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's missing that Jesus is not self-serving. And uh, here's the other big miss. Uh, demanding salvation while you refuse to recognize your own sin, well, that's a terrible plan, right? Demanding salvation while you refuse to say, here's where I'm wrong and I'm coming before you, God. Man, may we come before the Savior of the universe humbly, gently, laying down our junk. Lord God, please forgive me. That's how we come before him, recognizing our sin and laying it down, believing who he is and handing it all to him. May he get all the glory. He says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us, missing on two big fronts. But the other guy rebuked him. The other one rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly you got to picture the guy on the other side, right? And he's the same situation. Just last breaths, that's all he's got. And he has to push up off to even breathe. And as he's pushing up off to catch a breath, to say something out, he says, what's the matter with you? His one move is to defend Jesus Christ. With the last breaths he's got, with the maximum discomfort, he leans forward and rebukes across past Jesus. Knock it off, man. Are you kidding me? We're here justly. I love this statement when he says, don't you fear God. Does he understand who is right next to him? Is he grasping? All of a sudden he's like, man, this one is the chosen one from God Almighty. This one is the Messiah. This one is the hoped for one. This one is the one who does miracle. This is the one who's innocent. And so with his last breaths, he defends. And he says, I'm not with you. Stop it. What's the matter with you? Don't you fear? We're guilty. Maybe a more clear way of him saying it. Dude, salvation starts with A, admit you're a sinner. Man, that's what he's saying. Get it, man. Admit you're a sinner. We are sinners in dire need. He is not. And uh, he ends up saying, please stop it. We're the ones that are justly being punished. He says, justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. And he's admitting, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior and I am absolutely guilty where I stand, I am wrong. Please forgive me. He's admitting his sin, he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. Are you hearing that? He believes in Jesus. Jesus is innocent. Jesus is pure. Jesus is walking in this world right. He is healing. He is Messiah. He is chosen one. He is innocent. And he's being put on this cross. 
This one is innocent. As he's reflecting on who the Messiah Savior is right next to him. And he's believing in the perfection and the hope in Jesus Christ. Yes, he's admitting and yes, he's believing. And then it says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's confessing him as Lord. You're in charge. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Now, it doesn't say here if he actually grasped how fast that would be true. Right? It doesn't say if he understands the whole of it. He's for sure like, I know someday you're going to be king of the Jews and somehow I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Or is he like, I get that it's immediate. We don't really know. But he's like, please, when you go into your kingdom, and maybe he did grasp it was going to be the right then and there, but he's like, you're king and you have a kingdom. And I'm telling you, I stand by you. With my last breaths, I stand by you. So please remember me. Salvation, may we admit that we are a sinner. May we believe that Jesus is risen, that there is hope, that there is life in him, that he is the king of kings. And may we confess him as Lord, I stand by you. Huge hope. As this one is trusting in him, he's like, basically he said, I'm in, I'm all in. I can only imagine that some of his conclusion had to come as Jesus is hanging on the cross and instead of jeering accusation, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As he's watching the Holy One of the universe suffer for us and take what he does not deserve, he's like, dude, I am so in with him as King of Kings. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, like, that was a good way of saying, oh, you can count on the next words I'm about to say. Like, I'm just telling you this is going to rock your world and it is 100% true. Get ready. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Imagine what those words felt like to a criminal sentenced to death hanging on the cross, breathing his last. And in his last breath, he cries out, you're king and I'm with you and knock it off. And whatever you can do, please remember me. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Can you imagine the relief that rushed on his soul? as he probably just relaxed for a moment into the, there's no need to fight it. This is managed by my king. Jesus said, today, when? Say it louder, say it bigger, when? Today. It's not like, hey man, someday, it'll probably go pretty well for you. Someday you'll be with me maybe, you know, we'll, today. Today, like in the next breath, as you breathe your last, know this today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me, king of the kingdom, in paradise, absolute perfection, 
Man, here's a few things we can knock out of this quote. This is a thunder quote. A hope that we can have in Jesus Christ about eternity and a trusting in him. Let's just knock them out one at a time. It says, we will die and be with him immediately, today, immediately. For those who try to teach some kind of long-term soul sleep, whatever happens when you pass away, you don't go anywhere to eternity for a long period of time and just kind of wait around for some other thing in some other time of life and wrong answer. Today, immediately, to not be here is to be with the Lord. And all of God's people said, hope in Jesus Christ today. Man, this world has a lot of value in it and a lot of friendship and a lot of family and a lot of depth and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and a lot of brokenness. And know this, when this world is done, absolute perfection begins immediately with Jesus Christ today. Hope in him. It says, today you will be with me, Jesus in heaven, alongside of us, us being able to be with the creator, the chosen one, the king of the universe, us with him. And it says, in paradise, absolute perfection, descriptions in other places, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more heartache, no more brokenness, no more failure, no more I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. No more shame, no more tearing down self, no more others tearing you down. Absolute perfection. This is where we're headed. Today, you will be with me in paradise was the promise to this criminal. Just a couple of other, maybe a little bit more subtle ones, but good to just say for a second in time. For those who think that maybe they Uh, understood it that when Jesus died on the cross, he ended up going to hell for three days. And a quote of Ephesians chapter four, um, today you will be with me in paradise. Mic drop, right? (laughs) Enough said on that. No to that. And I know there's people trying to wrestle and understand some of the passage and problem in that, but I'm just telling you, he's saying you're with me in paradise. Jesus Christ, absolutely king of all kings. And uh, man, Jesus, absolutely in paradise. Jesus, the usher of it. Jesus, creator of all things. And now he's sitting as king over it. He is king of the Jews. He is. He is lamb of God. Other side. He is the high priest who walks it in to the presence of the Father. And he is our hope beyond all hope. Do you know the King of Kings? Do you know the one who is our hope? Are you ready to thank him and believe in him? He is my mercy. He is my reason. He is my hope. Man, with every last breath, are you ready to stand for Jesus? This is what he's promising to those who trust in him. You will be with me in paradise. At your last breath on this physical earth, absolute perfection forever with Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, that is our hope. We have a God who has this world managed one heartache at a time, and we have a God who has the next world managed 
absolute perfection. May God get all the glory. Thunderous statement to one of the criminals. You are forgiven. Today, you will be with me in paradise as we admit and believe and confess we have hope of forever with Jesus Christ. May God get all the glory. He is king. Everybody just say, he is king. Let's pray.